You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. I hope you had a good weekend. I'm guessing Tennessee's win against South Carolina on Saturday night helped. It was not an easy one. It's one that came down to the wire, but Tennessee got out of there with the win, and there are some teams around the country, Oklahoma, LSU, that cannot say that. So for Tennessee to start out 1-0 with a road win, getting ready for Missouri on Saturday, I'm guessing most fans are going to take it. I know Jeremy Pruitt will take it. You'll hear him talk about that coming up in just a moment. In segment number one, I'll look back at the game, the good, the bad, and the I don't know, coming out of the first game of the season for Tennessee. I'll hit that in segment number one. In segment number two, I'll talk about Jarrett Garantano. The conversation there at quarterback continues. You will hear from him. You'll hear from Jeremy Pruitt coming up in the second segment of the show with accuracy being a big part of the conversation. He hit some big throws. He missed some throws that shouldn't have been that tough. We'll get to all of that right here on Locked on Vols. And then I'll try to clean up what I miss in segment number three. A number of items for you. I'll take a look around the SEC. A very quick look ahead to Missouri coming up on Saturday, as we'll, of course, have the week to look ahead to that game. But Tennessee's 1-0, and I know the Vols will take it. Today's show is presented by BuiltBar.com. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's at BuiltBar.com. It was a game that did not have a great start for Tennessee. Those first two possessions were pretty rough. South Carolina marched down the field. Tennessee's defense couldn't do anything about it, and the Gamecocks scored a touchdown. Tennessee's offensive possession didn't go well. They had the special teams gap with the bad snap, but from there, Tennessee responded, and I thought that was impressive. And before I get to the good, bad, and I don't know out of the game, this is what Jeremy Pruitt said when he mentioned on his post-game press conference that was done via Zoom, he, he said it multiple times, hey, we got to win. And that was the main goal, and there are some things to obviously work on. I think everybody recognizes that. But he was really happy that his team found a way to win a close one. That's four straight wins for Tennessee in one-possession games. Here's Jeremy Pruitt talking about that. Well, I think they believe. They believe in each other. They believe in our program. They believe in our culture. Um, and – I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's not easy in this league, right? So uh, we're, we're not going to complain about winning a football game. I can tell you that. We're going to celebrate winning one on the road in this league. It's hard to do. So we're going to celebrate, and we're going to go back and fix what we can fix tomorrow and take Monday off and go to work on Missouri on Tuesday. Here's one reason I was really impressed. Tennessee had a number of players who were out at different times, and we – we knew some of the players that were out, but we didn't know all of them. And I'll get to some of those guys. And we still probably didn't find out who all missed a ton of time. But we do know that Tennessee did not have a full fall camp. Jim Chaney was saying maybe they had 15 full regular practices. And they needed more than that. Tennessee, I thought, looked like a team that was more prepared than I would have expected knowing how many players had been out and how inconsistent practice was and Tennessee was not the only one dealing with COVID issues and guys that would be in and out so I I don't want to make that case either but I I thought that Tennessee overall looked like a team that was ready to go there were some missed tackle issues I think that's just an issue around football South Carolina had that you can see it in college football and uh, we may see that for the next week or two Uh, but overall I thought Tennessee looked like a team that was coached up and ready to go 
as best you could expect, knowing that Tennessee still had some personnel issues. They have some guys playing in different roles. Tennessee is not Alabama from a talent standpoint. Tennessee is not Florida or Georgia from a talent standpoint. So going in, I thought that there would be some challenges. So that's part of the conversation here. My, my expectation was not incredibly high. I said last week several times, I thought it would be a close game, and it was. And Tennessee was able to find a way to win, which it's made a habit of. Last year, Tennessee found a way to win against Kentucky and Mississippi State and Missouri and coming back against Indiana. So the good, the bad, and the I don't know, the first good thing would be that I think Tennessee has shown it can deal with adversity. Those first two possessions didn't go well. That did not affect the way that Tennessee played. And think about a year ago. Things went poorly against Georgia State, and Tennessee did not handle it well. Things went poorly against Florida. They went really poorly, and they got worse very quickly against Florida last year. And South Carolina is not Florida. Don't get me wrong, but South Carolina is better than Georgia State. There's also something about season openers for Tennessee. You've not had an easy one as a Tennessee fan for a while. Think about 2016, overtime against App State on a Thursday night. 2017, that Monday night game against Georgia Tech, overtime win against the Yellow Jackets. 2018, West Virginia whips Tennessee. Last year, the Georgia State game. And then on Saturday night, it came down to that final minute or two. And South Carolina's punt, if it doesn't, bounce off a Gamecock and they get the ball, who knows what's ha- what happens there. But that's also kind of the difference. You have Henry Tooto's interception return for a touchdown and the gaff by South Carolina on special teams. That turns out to be the difference in the game. And we said, hey, the less blunders you have, the better your chance to win. And Tennessee had some. South Carolina had bigger ones. And Tennessee took advantage of it. So the good dealing with, with adversity. Also, Henry Tooto. What a player. He had that pick six, and what a play. And also, watch, I think it's Elante Taylor shooting in there to throw a block to help Henry get to the end zone and score the touchdown. Toto is going to be a big-time player. I joked on Twitter that my bold prediction that he's going to be really good is is looking like a good call early. It's the least bold call you can make. That uh, That's the joke there. But he's, he's the guy that I think is going to lead this defense. He's going to make plays. There's going to be more of that for Henry Toto. And then also the good, I think that's an early sign of – the pass rush has potential. We've talked about who replaces Daryl Taylor. I still don't know that there's one individual player, but DeAndre Johnson stepped up. Kevon Bennett's going to be a part of the equation. Jeremy Pruitt is going to have creative ways to get guys in there, like Danico Slaughter, uh, a freshman who was in there for Sean Schamberger, and, and that was a challenge for Tennessee. I'll get to that in a moment. And then Tyler Barron, he, he made some plays in the backfield. He's a guy to watch. Now to the bad. Jeremy Banks penalties. He's a guy that's going to play more at linebacker. He's in a very he's a very an emotional player. We saw that when he was at running back over the last couple of years. You can't have it. You can't have 15-yard penalties. You can't rip a player's helmet off right in front of an official. It's a, a it's stupid. So that has to stop and you love the energy and the way that he plays. But you can't have costly penalties like that because it could have played a role in Tennessee losing if the Gamecocks had been able to come back down the field and score a touchdown. Uh, underneath coverage, Tim Priest made the joke. I did not hear it. I need to go find the audio. But Grant Ramey noted the quote from Tim Priest on the Vol Network broadcast that Tennessee couldn't cover his mother-in-law last night. Now, having Sean Schamberger out had to be a factor. Bryce Thompson moving over to safety, and he made some plays. He shot through and blew up, was it a a screen pass or a dump off to a running back, but just made a big-time play. Sean Schamberger is one of those guys that we didn't know he was missing that much time, or at least I did not know and, and had not heard that heading into the start of the season. Same with Warren Burrell. And that's something to work on. Tennessee's coverage, having Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Ansley to work on that will help. And then 
this is nitpicking a little bit, but I do think it actually matters. I did not like the field goal attempt from 46 yards on fourth and one. And I know that I'm saying this after Brent Samaglia had missed it. And I also get it. Samaglia is a preseason first team, all SEC quarterback. That's still not an easy kick. And I just think the math says go for it. I, I think that's the better move, especially if you believe in your offensive line. And it, this is a group that coming out in the third quarter, they did say, let's go run right at South Carolina. And it worked. Fourth and one, show your offensive line that they're going to lead the way. I would have gone for it there. I would have tried to have gone for a touchdown on that drive, not a field goal. Now, the I don't know, Jarrett Garantano. I literally don't know what's going to happen each and every play, each and every throw. He was better on Saturday than he was at the beginning of last season. And in the Indiana game, he was not perfect, not even close. And we'll get to that in the next segment. But I I don't know exactly what Jarrett Garantano is going to do this season. Inconsistency, in in this case with his accuracy, continues to be part of the conversation. So the I don't know, I don't know exactly what Tennessee is going to have at quarterback through this season. Also, is the offensive line going to be as good as advertised? Right now, Tennessee is playing without Cade Mays. He was not there on Saturday night. We knew going in that he would not be, but that's a factor. Uh, I do wonder, can Tennessee consistently push people back, especially as they get ready to face better defensive lines, bigger defensive lines against teams like Georgia and Alabama, which is coming up in just a few weeks. So time will still tell there. The potential, I do still believe, is there for the offensive line. And then I don't know exactly how deep the newcomer impact will be, but Tyler Barron, I think, showed that he's going to be a part of the equation. We saw Jalen Hyatt, expect to see more of him. Danico Slaughter and Key Lawrence could factor in depending on who's available. And also, Tennessee, knock on wood, came out of there, it appears, fairly healthy, not dealing with too many injury issues, that's going to change at some point. So the depth will be challenged as the season went along. But one of the challenges will be to get more consistent play from Jarrett Garantano at quarterback to help him be more accurate. You'll hear from him on some of the issues he faced. You'll hear Jeremy Pruitt with an assessment of Garantano's performance coming up next right here on Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, today presented by BuiltBar.com. This is what you use if you're looking for a snack on the go in the middle of your morning, in the middle of the afternoon. That's kind of my go-to in the middle of a radio show in the afternoon. BuiltBar.com has 18 different flavors for you. They have nut and non-nut flavors available. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They also have some other cool options for you I'm going to tell you about here soon. Go to BuiltBar.com. Check out the Built Go energy and protein options that they have available. And remember with the Built Bars, they are great if you are trying to maintain or lose weight as the bars are low calorie and low in sugar. They are high in protein, high in fiber. They're great for the keto diet. Check out BuiltBar.com. See the flavors. See the nutritional value. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com, and you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last at BuiltBar.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
Alrighty, to Jarrett Garantano. At this point, you probably think what you think about Jarrett Garantano. On Saturday, he made some good plays. The ability to spin out of the flea flicker that went wrong to dump the ball off to Eric Gray, some passes down the field. Brandon Johnson made that incredible one-handed catch. It was also a ball that was placed well by Garantano. He had the touchdown later after he had missed some, I would say, pretty easy throws that he should have been able to make. He hits the touchdown to Josh Palmer, which was an impressive throw. He had a few others as well. Uh, he, had, he made a nice play with his legs uh, to extend a drive. But he also missed some throws, and he was high on a bunch of throws. And the, another Tim Priest line, I think he said uh, that Wilt Chamberlain wouldn't have been able to catch some of those balls because he was so high, because Garantano was missing so high compared to his receivers. Before you hear from Jarrett, this is what Jeremy Pruitt said, his assessment of Jarrett Garantano and how he played against South Carolina on Saturday night. You know, in, inconsistent. I mean, he made, he made some really good de- – his decision-making was good. Uh, I, I think there was a couple of times, you know, maybe he was confused a little bit. His decision-making was good. I know he would like to have some throws back. He was a little high on some throws. Uh, but you know what? We, I mean, uh, we had hardly any wide receivers practice for a, a long time. I mean, we've got them back for the last five days. Hopefully we can clean some of this up and uh, get our timing better uh, for next week. Jeremy Pruitt on Jarrett Garantano. That is one positive difference, something that Pruitt mentioned right there. The decision-making was better. You didn't see anything that was a huge negative for Tennessee in terms of what he decided to do. Last September, it wasn't as much about the accuracy as it was just some decisions that nobody could explain afterward. What, what he was seeing, remember throws he made against BYU? Those were not throws that he would make, decisions that he would make in 2018. An interception he threw on the sideline against Florida where he came off the field and he just he read it wrong. That didn't happen this past Saturday night for Garantano. Now, he still had accuracy issues, and if you miss the wide receiver, you're still hurting the team. He did not help South Carolina, so that's a positive. We're still talking about inconsistency, and I'm sure that's frustrating for you if you're a fan. Uh, This is what Jarrett said before we continue the conversation just on Tennessee's quarterback position. This was Jarrett's explanation talking about his accuracy issues that he dealt with at times on Saturday night. Yeah, I felt like I was leaning back on some throws. There's a lot of work to get done with myself and and the team, but especially me, I thought I could be a lot better, and there's only up from here. I'm going to go practice my behind off this week, and try to fix some of the things. I was a high on a little bit of throws falling off, pretending just seeing like I was going to get hit, but that's not how that's not how I play ball and I just have to go fix those things and there's a lot of room to grow and I'm excited for the future, but I'm happy that we got this win tonight. So maybe there's something that can be done on his pocket awareness uh, if he felt like something was coming that wasn't and it affected his throws. Now, he also delivered some balls where he did get decked and he actually hit the hit some receivers really well and was more accurate than when he had time to throw the football to open receivers, which is pretty incredible. But I, I would say the decision-making being good is a positive. The accuracy issues is a very obvious negative. But then to the quarterback position, I had uh, a message sent to me on Twitter and, of course, you know, the the text threads that are going that are really frustrated with JG and uh, one tweet that was sent to me that said, I would make a change right now. And on the next drive is when he threw the long touchdown pass and a nice throw on the drive and then the long touchdown pass to Josh Palmer. And I thought, you know, that's probably why Jeremy Pruitt didn't make a change because Garantano, while he had the frustrating issues, he also was able to deliver a beautiful ball down the right sideline for a 32-yard touchdown to Josh Palmer. So the the frustration of 
seeing a ball sell high and then the next player, the next drive, he comes back and makes good throws and you don't understand why they can't be in sync. I don't either. So there's nothing I can add to this. But if the thought is, well, let's just go to the next guy. It, it can't be worse. It can. It was last year. Now, the change that they made after the Florida game, I do think was necessary and it helped when they went to Brian Maurer. But they still had to keep going back to Garantano because Maurer would get hurt or would be ineffective. So while they made a change last year, and it was probably the right decision, I think it was the right decision because Garantano was just awful in September. He was not awful on Saturday night. Some of the messages and some of the things being said about Garantano, you would have thought he was like 10 of 30 for 58 yards. He was, in fact, 19 of 31, completed a little more than 61% of his passes, 259 yards and a touchdown, and of course, very importantly, no turnovers. He was at 8.4 yards per attempt, and those are not incredible numbers. Don't get me wrong here. But there was worse quarterback play around the SEC at a number of different schools. Kentucky still is looking for better play. Having Terry Wilson back helps the passing game, but he's far from an elite thrower. Did you see what happened at Georgia with Dewan Mathis and then having to go to former walk-on Stetson Bennett? Now, maybe they get JT Daniels back, but he's still not been cleared. Right now, Georgia has a problem at quarterback. Arkansas brought in Felipe Franks. He is not as good as Jarrett Garantano. You want to talk about a frustrated team? Texas A&M in a dogfight with Vanderbilt, Kellen Mond, there's a veteran quarterback, a fifth-year senior with a ton of experience. He was 17 of 28, 189 yards, 6.8 yards per attempt. Texas A&M expects a lot more. And you might be sitting there saying, well, I'm not worried about Texas A&M. I'm not worried about Kentucky. I offer that up to kind of bring the reminder that college quarterbacks, you're not seeing NFL players all over the place. That's not the way it works. And I would compare Jarrett Garantano to JT Shrout and to Brian Maurer. And I think right now Shrout's the number two guy. Maurer could be a factor. And as this season goes along, Harrison Bailey is going to have an opportunity to as well. I also, I have a difficult time telling you what to expect with Shrout because if he were to go in, it's the first time we've seen him throw a football in how many months? It's been a long time. So while I think Shrout would, you know, on some of those throws that Garantano missed, Shrout probably hits him. But Shroud also might have made some bad decisions before the ball snapped. Or does he get out of that flea flicker that goes wrong? Does he still escape and dump the ball off? Or does he go down and that drive stalls out? So uh, Garantano, he needs to be better, needs to be more accurate. Everybody is going to agree on that. And I also am not going to sit here and tell you, hey, Garantano is going to be all SEC this year. I wouldn't expect that at all. I think Kyle Trask is probably the best quarterback in the SEC. KJ Costello. His number is going to be incredible, probably. I mean, look at what he did against LSU. Mac Jones at Alabama. I think Mon's going to be better than what we saw. And if JT Daniels is able to play, then I think he's going to be pretty good. But Bo Nix, I think you'll still probably see some ups and downs with him this season at Auburn. He's a guy that's a preseason All-SEC selection. Uh, I would just, I would offer some patience. I would offer a little bit of perspective looking around the SEC and looking at where Garantano was in September of 2019 compared to where he is now. And we are seeing progress. And if he is able to work on a little more consistency and work on his mechanics, you can see improvement. But I also understand the frustration, and I don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. You hope to see a really good performance against Missouri. I'll say that, and then when you go to Georgia, let's see how the fifth-year senior responds. I'll come back and go over a number of things that I might have missed. Look ahead to Missouri. Tennessee's a big favorite against the Tigers coming to town. Some uh, personnel notes from this past weekend and a few SEC takeaways. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols, the Monday episode out of Tennessee's season opener. It felt good to have a game back to talk about with Tennessee football as uh, the Vols got the win on Saturday. We'll continue the conversation right here on Locked on Vols, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 
A few items that I might have missed earlier in the show. One would be the defensive line rotation. Tennessee played a lot of guys. Elijah Simmons was out there playing in the rotation on the defensive line as the Vols did not have Darrell Middleton. We found out before the game, several hours, I guess, beforehand that he was not going to play because of a medical issue. So Middleton was not out there. But Tennessee still has a lot of guys. Now you have Tyler Barron, who's in the mix. We'll see if Morvin Joseph is somebody that can be a factor as this season goes along. And I think that we'll probably see rotation and competition and position groups continue as the season goes along. Freshman receivers are going to factor in, but I think Valus Jones had a nice debut for Tennessee. He's absolutely going to be a factor. I did not intend to just mention the Brandon Johnson one-handed catch and passing. That was really impressive, and he's a guy that will factor in. And you know, with Garantano, they've played a lot together. They've practiced together, came in in the uh, 2016 class together talking about Garantano and Brandon Johnson. So there's something there maybe for Tennessee. Also, this is seven straight wins for Tennessee. Going back to last season, the Vols finished with six straight wins to end the 2019 season. Now they have seven. And I believe that's the third best mark behind Notre Dame and Air Force, who of course started their season before. And Notre Dame did not play this past weekend. They had to have their game postponed against Wake Forest. But Notre Dame's at eight wins. Tennessee at seven, though, is best among full-time Power 5 teams, to my understanding. And Notre Dame is really a Power 5 school. They are playing in the ACC this year. Nevertheless, that's impressive. Seven straight wins. And it's not against the best teams. We're talking Mississippi State, South Carolina twice, Kentucky, Missouri, Indiana, uh, Vanderbilt. There are your wins. But seven straight wins, there's a reason we're not talking about anybody else in the Power Five having them. And, And Tennessee jumps up in the rank with LSU losing this past weekend to Mississippi State. So to some SEC takeaways, how about Mississippi State? How about that debut for Mike Leach with a win on the road against LSU and KJ Costello on Locked On College Football, by the way, there's one that Andrew Wade and I got right. Andrew said, hey, I actually like Mississippi State to pull off the upset, and uh, I think he put a little coin down on it, by the way, but Mississippi State did that, pulled off the upset against LSU, which is so depleted from last year's team. They didn't have Derek Stingley Jr. out there at corner because of uh, an illness issue that had popped up, not COVID, I don't believe, but... Uh, their best corner was out after so many players, of course, were gone from last year's team. But Costello went for 623 yards against LSU. Kyle Trask had a really nice opener, 416 yards passing against Ole Miss, six touchdowns for Kyle Trask. So I'd say he's uh, off to a good start in that first-team All-SEC run, but Costello could be a guy to pay attention to there at Mississippi State. I mentioned earlier, Georgia, it has an issue at quarterback. Now, it has talent everywhere, and in the second half, Georgia said, okay, enough's enough. Let's just pound Arkansas and did that. And then when you look at Tennessee's opponents, Texas A&M with a really disappointing showing against Vanderbilt. A&M is an opponent of Tennessee coming up in the second half of the season, and that'll be a home game for Tennessee. Now, we don't want to overreact to week one, but maybe looks a little more winnable for Tennessee. And on uh, the Sports Source on Sunday, John Pennington asked, was I more encouraged, discouraged, based on what I saw from Tennessee? And I said more encouraged, partly because my preseason record prediction was 5-5, five and five, so it's not like I went in super high. And I said that I'd be 6-4 and four before 4-6, four and six for sure. But I think Tennessee getting the win against South Carolina is a, a really important step to trying to get to 6-4 and four or better. And the fact that Georgia looks like it has issues. Georgia has Auburn this week before hosting Tennessee next week, and the Vols have Missouri. So in terms of a scheduling matchup, I think Tennessee has an advantage this week getting ready for 
week number three. So Georgia looks more beatable. Not saying Tennessee's going to win. Georgia will be a favorite. But Georgia has clear issues at quarterback. A&M has some things to work out, and it has time to do that. We also don't know who will stay healthy, who will deal with injury issues. And we also know that Tennessee really is going to ride Chandler and Eric Gray. They had 25 carries, 13 and 12 uh, for those two guys. Chandler led the way in rushing for Tennessee against South Carolina, by the way. But uh, you're going to see both of those guys a lot this season for Tennessee, which we knew. That's what Jim Chaney said last week, but we did not see a freshman running back. Will we see somebody else emerge this season? Because at some point, somebody is going to have to. And as uh, Tennessee gets ready for Missouri this week, Missouri's coming off a loss against Alabama. I don't know how much to take from that. Missouri, I think, has real questions at quarterback with uh, Sean Robinson and Connor Bazelak. I'll get you some more information on Missouri this week, but I would say Mizzou ranks near the bottom of the SEC in quarterback play. Tennessee has a roster advantage. It's been a tough game for Tennessee most seasons. Last year was a close one that came down to the end. But remember, Tennessee's offense lit up Missouri, and I suspect that Tennessee's going to have a chance to do that again. The Vols open as about a 12.5, 13-point favorite against Missouri, and this is one that Tennessee should absolutely win this upcoming week. Everything did not go Tennessee's way on Saturday. I don't know who really expected that. I know that we had the conversations about could Tennessee blow out South Carolina or not. And yeah, I guess there was an opportunity. If if Jarrett makes some of those throws, that could have happened. But you can play the game of what if South Carolina doesn't have a ball bounce to Henry Toto and he has the pick six. Well, there's a touchdown off the board for Tennessee. You, you can do that with a number of different plays within a game. We knew that there would be challenges. I thought Tennessee responded really well. And the maturity of this team and the buy-in, that just continues to be present. And that, to me, is what you build on as you head into week number two. This is not going to be a normal season. I think everybody recognizes that to this point. Tennessee is doing everything it can to make the most of it. And I will agree with Jeremy Pruitt what he said at the beginning of the show. You make the most of it, and you try to move on and get to 2-0, and that's what Tennessee is going to do this week. So we'll continue this week looking ahead to the Missouri game. You will hear from Jeremy Pruitt. He will have had a chance to watch the film, so he'll have more reaction from the opening game coming up on tomorrow's show. I'm glad football's back. I'm sure you are as well. Thanks so much for being here on Locked on Vols. The show is here five days a week. Welcome new listeners. Thanks to all the listeners who have come back. Rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts is a big help to let Tennessee fans know about Locked on Vols. And if there's anything you disagree with me on, if there's anything you want me to cover, hit me up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'd love your feedback for the show. Thanks again for being here on today's show presented by BuiltBar.com. Remember to use promo code Locked On to get $10 off your next order. I'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked On Vols, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you.